I'm Matt. And I'm Jenna. We are Mana. And this is Food for Thought. A podcast dedicated to encourage and inspire you as you seek to grow your relationship with Christ and live out your Catholic faith. In this episode, Matt and Jenna go back to basics and talk about how do we have a relationship with God. getting really old so I was gonna tell it um but people keep falling for it <laughs> I don't think I told that right but you still got it still got um it. hey everyone welcome to episode 39 we're almost at episode 40 one before if you're a math person we should do a party <laughs> we should throw episode 40 party a quadrantsenera yeah Anyways, I I just made up a Spanish word, I think. (laughs) Um, Do you want to share your peak pit plug for the week? Yes, my peak of the week. um, My husband was in the Philippines for, well, he was supposed to be in there, in there, there, wow, (laughs) wow, for a week and a half almost, and he came home early and surprised me. Oh, yay. And so it was really, really nice because I had him home early, and Adelaide was super happy. Um... That was super close, sorry. And then my pit was that Adelaide choked on a peanut, and it was the most terrifying thing I think I've ever experienced. But she's okay. She is perfectly fine. <laughs> I know, baby Heimlich maneuver. <laughs> so, she survived. Um, <laughs> just won't ever have peanuts again. <laughs> and then my plug is the new Jonas Brothers song. <laughs> what? <laughs> you said anything. <laughs> What's it called? Sucker. Sucker. <laughs> I'm a sucker for you. Anyways. I wish you could all see the dance that came with that. It was beautiful. It's bad. It's a white girl dance. <laughs> um, my peak, um, we went to Outback the other night with um, my in-laws. Um, they took us out to dinner. And, uh, I mean, I love Outback in general. But everyone there was just so nice. Like, the service staff and, like, everyone was checking on us. They were all, like, super happy. And we had this crazy, volatile child with us. And they were still super sweet. And it was super busy. And they could have been really irritated, like, sometimes happens. But they were just really nice. So, shout out to the Outback people. Um, Pitt, um, my wife has been sick um, for, like, a week and a half now. Or two weeks, almost. She just had a small cold, but there's been, like, crazy pollen levels in our area. Um, in Southern California, and so her sinuses made it way worse, and so she's still recovering from that, and she's a migraine today, and so, yeah, so it's just, pray for my wife that she would get better soon, and my plug, I don't know if I plugged this last time, but I'm doing something called intermittent fasting right now, and if you don't know what that is, you should look it up, because I have so much energy, and I love it, and I'm not eating any (laughs) sugar, and it's not like spiking my blood sugar and feeling like I'm crashing or having mood swings, And sugar does all this crazy stuff to you. So I think I plugged that sugar film, the documentary, on Amazon Prime a couple episodes ago. So if you watch that, um, you'll understand why I feel the way that I do. But it's awesome. So I highly recommend it. I think you're um, insane. Because me and sugar have a great relationship. Yeah. It really brings me up. (laughs) And then down (laughs) ten minutes later. And then back up again. And it's good. (laughs) Um, speaking of relationships, um, (laughs) 
This episode, we want to talk about something that probably sounds very basic and very like, oh, like you're gonna do a whole episode on that. Um, I really wanted to talk about how do you have a relationship with God um, and really just dive into that idea because I think, I mean, that's the core of what it means to be a Christian, to mm-hmm. be, you know, any any religion, you have a relationship with, you know, the God that you worship. Um, but I think a lot of times we just hear that phrase and we don't really know how to go about it or what that really looks like or means. And we can kind of place our own assumptions on it. Or we can say like, oh, God is telling me this, or I think God is telling me that, or I feel like God is doing this, this, and this. And a lot of times it it's more of just stuff that we're assuming or that we're doing and we're projecting onto God. Mm-hmm. Um, this idea of who he's supposed to be or what a relationship with him is supposed to look like. Um, and we try and copycat what we can see, you know, the actions of other people, but we don't know the intention and the reality sometimes of what that relationship should look like for us. And so I thought it'd be an interesting thing to talk about and maybe a simple um, way to enter into um, just kind of this idea of how to have a relationship with him. Um, and so if you listen to this right when it comes out, um, you'll hear it on the Sunday where the first reading is all about where God reveals his name to Moses. Mm. Um, and, you know, that's the the beginning first step of any relationship. Hi, how are you? My name is, yeah. you know, and so we know that we need that relationship. And so, um, yeah, that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, and just thinking about how we might be in our own head or in our own pride about what that relationship is supposed to look like. Um, but if you have a relationship with God right now that you're like, I don't really know how to navigate this, or this isn't really fruitful, or I'm really frustrated or confused, maybe this episode will be helpful to you because maybe you're going about it in a way that you um, didn't realize was kind of um, putting assumptions on who God was. So. Yeah. And it, yeah, I think we fall into what you're going to talk about is different, um, different kinds of relationships or where our relationship is lacking mm-hmm. with the Lord. And so this is going to be kind of a timeless episode <clears throat> that you can always go back to. Because our relationship with God is always changing and adapting, and we always can get better at it. So yeah, it's exactly. Not something that gets old. Yeah. About. Yeah. So I think the first thing to realize is, um, or the first kind of analogy to remember is, a relationship with God is like just the perfected version of any good relationship. Mm-hmm. I mean, specifically in the Bible, the most common analogy they make to relationship with God is marriage. And a lot of us probably think about what married life would look like if you're not married. And those of you who are married know what that looks like. Um, but to think about like, what are the things that I would do if I wanted to build a relationship with someone in that way? You know, there needs to be a sense of intimacy. We need to date. We need to get to know each other. We need to spend time together. We need to have honest, intentional conversations together. And there needs to be experiences of intimacy and a recognition of the fact that my heart desires to be in relationship. Um, And so I think throughout this whole thing, we're going to go back to that analogy probably several times. But anytime, as just a kind of a good base level, anytime you're really frustrated in your relationship with God, think about what you're doing and what you're experiencing and how you're entering into that relationship and apply that to a dating relationship or a marriage. And, and if you were to do that in that situation, it helps you recognize like maybe a lot of things that you might be doing wrong, mm. you know? So for instance, if I'm always asking God for stuff, you know, if I did that in a dating relationship and I just kept asking the other person to do things for me, that would not be a very healthy relationship. They probably would not be very frustrated. And luckily God is not going to leave, you know, God is there no matter what. But that relationship still wouldn't be fruitful with a human person. And so we can kind of see why it might not be fruitful with God. So I kind of want to, you know, prime the conversation with that idea. But the first thing, if you want to have a relationship with God, um, 
well, you've already made this step, but the idea of like, why should we? Uh, the first thing you need to do is recognize that you need one. I mean, like, that's the gospel message, right? Like, God created us out of love to be in relationship with him, but we fell short and we sinned and we rejected God. And because of that, we needed a savior. And he sent us a savior in the very person of the second person of the Trinity, his son, Jesus Christ, to live on this earth, to show us how to live, how to love, uh, to reconcile us with God and to uh, redeem us. And um, that is the way that we can still have the consequences of our sin, but not the punishment that they deserve because we have the opportunity for redemption if we seek it in that reconciliation and that forgiveness. And so we're, we're useless without Jesus. Like we're dead in the water, you know? And so like, there's no reason why we shouldn't have an appreciation for that and a recognition of like, wow, like, yeah, I definitely need that. Like I, I've made mistakes and I cannot pay the debt for those Jesus already did. Uh, he gave everything for us. And so to look at those desires of our heart and to recognize like no matter how much we per, we mess up pursuing what we think will fulfill those desires, um, those desires like we talked about on our five-part series of episodes a while back um, for perfect love, truth, goodness, beauty, and being, those are all only completely fulfilled in God. And when we recognize that, then we can realize like, okay, I need I need a relationship with God. It's not something that I'm just supposed to do as a Christian to go through the motions. I'm not just supposed to go to mass and do the sit, stand, kneel and not enter in. But like there is a base reality of relationship and I need that relationship. You're not different than anybody else in that capacity. It's not like the other person who's really, you know, going down a dark path and, you know, hurting people and doing drugs or whatever it might be that they need Jesus more. We all need Jesus equally. Mm. Um, so to recognize that we need that relationship. I think that's a easily forgotten concept and um, reality, especially when, like, especially in this area that we live in, mm-hmm. because in the area that we live in, everybody has pretty good. Like, yeah, we live in an affluent area in Orange it's County. It's not, yeah. you know, there are people that are struggling and having a hard time and like they have their unique situations, but um, we can easily get everything that we need in this area mm-hmm. that we live in. And so, especially with my teens, when I look at them, the, this concept for them is like, well, I don't need Jesus. Mm-hmm. Because one, they're not tapped into their spiritual life and their soul and what it's actually doing and feeling. Mm-hmm. And two, they have everything that they physically need or could desire. It's right at their fingertips. Yeah. And so it's something that I think we can easily forget is that like we're not assessing our soul. Yeah. And if we're not assessing our soul, then we're not going to tap into this concept that we need our Lord and Savior. Um, so it's that like soul check that yeah. we need to be doing that oftentimes we forget to do. Mm-hmm. I think I mentioned this before, like the four levels of happiness. You know, those first two levels of happiness, the very shallow ones, are instant gratification and comparative happiness. And so instant mm-hmm. gratification it applies to exactly what you're saying. Like we live in an area where people, if they want something, they can have it immediately. Mm-hmm. And it'll it'll fulfill that desire in their heart in a way that they think is going to be lasting. And then it doesn't. But the benefit for them is when they want it again, they can just go get it again. You know, uh, and then when you get to that second level comparative, that's why social media is so huge, especially yeah. um, in affluent areas where people have the time and the ability to post really amazing posts about their great trips and all the money that they spent or the things that they can afford to do. Because we feel happy when we compare ourselves to others and we come out more on the positive end. Mm-hmm. The higher ones, 
the, the reason those don't last is because they're only attached to the timeline of the activity or the thing that we're consuming. So the instant you are gratified by something, an instant gratification, when it's gone, it's not making you happy 10 years later. You know, your uh, Instagram post is not making you happy 10 years later, just in that moment. You know, uh, I hope not. <laughs> but the higher levels are um, contributory. So like serving other people and transcendent, which is recognizing that's the highest level, recognizing God is the fulfillment of our desires. And so both of yeah. those put ourselves in more of a subservient and um, serve like servant based position Mm -hmm. like i'm i'm going out of myself for someone else and i'm going out of myself to reach out to god who i'm perpetually in need of and so recognizing the first two are all about me you know and like subtle or shallow versions of happiness so having a relationship with god base level number one you need to realize you need it it's not just an obligatory thing for you as a christian that you're going to go through the motions do the daily prayers do your lexio divina and everything's going to be fine and you're going to be chill with god um, your pride is still going to get in the way pretty often if you don't recognize, like, I am perpetually a sinner and in need of a savior. Mm-hmm. And for my eternity here on earth, well, not eternity, but for my entire life here on earth, <laughs> I will be in need of, of him. I will never be perfect this side of heaven. And heaven is only possible because of my need of him. Mm-hmm. And when I get to heaven, guess who's going to be there? Jesus. And like, I'm going to be in union with him. So he is always the one that we desire. Um, there's nothing else that can compare. So once you recognize that, then the first obvious thing is how to have a relationship with God is to pray. Um, Mark Hart, the Bible geek from Life Teen, says um, prayer is not part of your relationship with God. It is your relationship with God. Um, that is everything. And I think sometimes that can be confusing because we live, we don't live in a Catholic country in America. We live in a, like a more fundamentally Protestant or non-denominational country. That's the majority of... Um, like more so what our country was founded upon, like what the religions of the, the, the religious practices of the founding fathers were. Um, and um, because of that, prayer, the idea of prayer in the Protestant and fundamentalist wor- world um, is always worship. Prayer always means worship. Mm-hmm. And so that's why Protestants have a, a, a hard time understanding why we pray and ask for the intercession of Mary and the saints Mm -hmm. because they don't understand it as we're asking them to pray for us. They understand all prayer is worship. And so it's more of like a, a, like a description difference of what prayer is. But because of that, we sometimes fall into this um, reality of not realizing what prayer means for us as Catholics. And we always just go the formal worship route Um, instead of recognizing that for prayer as Catholics, prayer is a conversation. That's what it is. You're having a conversation. That's why we can enter into conversation with Mary and the saints in prayer because we're asking them in, in a conversation like we would on earth to pray for us. Yeah. And so that's really how you build a relationship. You know, like, hi, Jenna, my name's Matt. Like, let's have a conversation. Let's go out to coffee. Let's, yeah. you know, build a friendship that's lasted however many years. If we never talked, if we never had intentional moments, our friendship would wither and die, you know? And so it'd be, or it'd be very strained, you know? Um, and so that's the same thing with God. You know, we need to constantly be talking to him and yes, pray in worship. Like he deserves our worship. He deserves our praise first and foremost for everything that he's done for us. But if that's all that you do, God can kind of become then like a celebrity because we do that with celebrities. We kind of praise them and, and worship them from afar. We idolize them. 
um, or like entertainment figures or shows or movies, things that we become kind of obsessed with Mm -hmm. or followings or trends that they kind of behave the same way. You know, we, we give them a lot of our time and attention, our praise, our admiration. But if there's no like entering one-on-one face-to-face with that person, you know, like if you love the Kardashians, A, why? But B, um, why did you pick you that? Know, I did the first, I don't watch the news. So there, I know they're probably still famous. Um, so <laughs> if you worship them, you know, like, but you're doing that from afar. Like you're not, you're not in relationship with them. You don't have a relationship with them. You might get to the point where that's so unhealthy that you become a stalker and think you have a relationship with them, but you still really don't, you know, you're worshiping them. And sometimes we can fall in that same habit with God. Like we become fans of God. We love everything that he does, but when it comes down to being a follower of him, being intimately, you know, um, discipled and in relationship with him, we don't spend that intentional time in conversation. So uh give more of like an example of like how mm, so like worship mm-hmm. what does that look like like when you're if you're if for somebody that is a christian mm-hmm. is that just like praise and worship do you know what i mean and in then, the protestant yeah. realm yeah well what like would be? anything that you like just the protestant view of prayer is worship so every word that you say it's not like every word that they say is a word of worship but they see prayer like in its in and and of itself, like ontologically, mm-hmm. as a an act of worship, always, mm-hmm. um, and it's more about the disposition of our heart. You know, we're always in a position of worshiping God, which is true, but that doesn't mean that we can't also see prayer as a conversation and be in relationship with our God in that intimate way. And I don't think they would see that as something contradictory to their idea. Yeah. It's just more of a fundamentally way of how we're taught how to pray. Yeah. Protestants are taught how to pray as worship primarily, yeah. and then it becomes more relationship in that we are kind of done the reverse in the catholic tradition and so it's not that one is is better than the other we both pray it's just like the way that we do it as catholics surrounded by a predominantly protestant culture Mm -hmm. in america can sometimes be confusing and we think we have to go all the, the worship route or um or we don't really get taught properly how to do the conversation part and when we do because our our Catholic faith is steeped in 2000 years of tradition, it can sometimes be more of the rigid side of the tradition is like, here's the prayers that you learn. Mm-hmm. You say them in this order at this time of day. Here's the liturgy of the hours. And there's good things about those. Mm-hmm. There's great things about, you know, the rosary and things like that, because they allow you to be more reflective. You don't have to think about the words that you're saying, but the base level of our relationship with God is a conversation. And, you know, my wife, if I don't talk to my wife every day, you know, we're, our relationship is going to be strained. But I talk to my wife every day. And even though we've been married, um, I mean, not super long, but almost six years, um, I still learn new things about her and learn new ways or things that I love about her every day. And if we're entering into a relationship with God in conversation like that every day, the same thing's going to happen. We're going to learn new things about who he is and, and how he sees us mm-hmm. um, as we progress in our day-to-day life. Um, that's why most of our liturgical year and calendar is ordinary time because we're meant to encounter God in the ordinary moments and the ordinary conversations of the day. You know, our whole Catholic experience is not just about Lent, Advent and Easter, you Mm -hmm. know, most of it is just ordinary time. And those are ways for us to zero in on the things that God has done that are worthy of our worship and our praise. But 
they all also speak to the fact that he wants to be in relationship with us. You know, Advent, Christmas, the incarnation, he wants to be with us. You know, Lent and Easter, he wants to redeem us so he can eternally be in relationship with us. Like it's all oriented toward that reality. Um, So if you want to have a relationship with God, you got to pray. And it can't just be going through the motions pray. It has to be authentic, real, just honest conversation Mm -hmm. in your own voice. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be this like, God, thou art the best and greatest God in existence. You know, talk like you would talk. Doesn't have to be pretty. Yeah. Just like, sometimes I call Jesus JC. And I'm like, look, JC, bro, like I'm messing up today. You know, like, because that's how I talk to other people, you know. Um, You know, talk to him like you would someone who's a mentor or someone who you admire in faith, you know, or just someone you ask for advice from. Because that's how we enter into that relationship with him. Um, Next, if you want to have a relationship with God, you have to ask him. And I know this sounds kind of strange, like, why do I have to ask him? Isn't he going to be there? Well, yes, he's going to be there. But he gave us free will. You know, we have to exercise that free will and ask and invite him into our lives in a very intentional way. If we're just out there looking for God and trying everything and we're not really being open to the fact that, like, God, I want you, I desire you to be in relationship with me. Mm. I want to know you. So please, like, be, like, let me be pursued by you. I invite you to pursue me. I invite you to be in relationship with me. Because otherwise we fall into the trap of thinking like, okay, I got to go find God. Or I got to figure him out. I got to understand him better. And the more I pray, the more I go through the motions, the more I'm going to be able to do that. And, well, he's all-knowing. So he already knows you. And if he's all-knowing, you're us and our finite minds are not going to be able to understand him. And if he's all present, you can't find him, you know, he's already there, you know, like there's no reason, you know, why you would go searching for him, you know, we just need to kind of take the blinders of the things that distract us in life off and be able to recognize, oh, you're right here and invite him into that space. And so that asking that invitation is so important. Maybe you've never made just an honest, like open your hands and say like, God, I give you permission to be in relationship with me. Like I give you permission to enter into my life and I give you permission to speak to me and pursue me. I, when we go on those big conferences, mm-hmm. I think Steubenville does it sometimes. And, um, there was, I think, yeah, I think it was Steubenville. I think it was my stupid bill that that was the first time somebody actually told me that. Like, mm-hmm. you have to invite God in. And I remember them saying, if you want a relationship with Jesus, stand up. You know, one of those yeah, like yeah, altar yeah. calls almost. Um, but that was such a powerful moment and change in my relationship with the Lord that, oh, I have to invite him. Like, he's not... I think of it almost as like, you know, the gentleman versus mm-hmm. the nagging, annoying guy that's like, hey, 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 yeah. cute, hey, hey, it's, no. <laughs> hey girl, it, can I get your number? Yeah, can no. I have it? Can Jesus, I? <laughs> Jesus, in some way, shape, or form, maybe, but like, he's more of the gentleman that's patiently waiting. Yes. And he's constantly pursuing you, but mm-hmm. he's very gentlemanly like that. And so yeah. a gentleman will never push himself on you. And so you have to invite him into that. Um, and that was when my relationship with Christ actually changed is when I actually said, Oh Lord, I want this. I actively want this. And I, I want you to come into my life and be in my life rather than constantly being like, Oh, well he's going to be there. Yeah. He's going to always be there. So Lord, hi. 
um, yeah, he's always going to be there, but you have to invite him in. Yeah. He's just standing outside your front, the front door of your house, but you never let him in. Mm -hmm. There's no relationship that's going to be built there. Mm -hmm. You know, God does act and he does move without our invitation and permission all the time, but Mm -hmm. directly in our lives in relationship with us. It's crazy that God, who's all powerful, would allow himself to be subject to our own free will. Yeah, that's nuts. Because he doesn't want to force himself on us because that's not real love. Mm-hmm. It would not have been real love if I forced Erica to marry me. But I, she chooses freely to love me in return. And because of that, we have free will to do the same with God. And sometimes we choose the opposite. That's what people don't understand about the reality of suffering and evil in the world is it has to exist. Because if, it, if we have free will... We have the ability then to choose not God and to choose to do evil and to choose to bring sin into the world. But if we didn't have that free will, we'd all be slaves or love robots and it would not be real love. We'd be in a hostage situation. We wouldn't really be able to make a choice. And because we have the gift of that choice and God in his you know, all-powerfulness has even allowed himself to be subject to that choice in our own life, um, that's, that's on us. We have to take that initiative and invite him. Uh, so recognize that you need a relationship, pray, invite. And then the next thing is you have to listen. You have to listen. There's this, uh, this phrase, this description of how people see God in this, um, kind of, kind of the millennial generation that came out of a study, um, called soul searching. And they, they followed a bunch of, um, emerging adults from like when they were teenagers all the way up until they were in their twenties, I think. And they classified this idea that a majority of them saw God in this way. It's called moral therapeutic deism. And what that means is like deism, there's a God. Therapeutic means um, I go to him, I go to religion, I go to spirituality to feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, it just it makes me feel good about life. And then moral means like it makes you be a good person. So we go to God because it makes us good and feel good. Well, we go to a lot of things for that, you know, we go to... We go to, maybe not drugs don't make us good, but they make us feel good, you know. Or we go to, um, you know, small groups or social outings or, you know, things like that. Yeah, there's a lot of things in life that are good and make us feel good. And we kind of just treat God like this divine therapist or divine ATM in the sky that just is supposed to be there when we need something. Kind of like Santa, you know, like, here's my list of things that I need. Please give them to me. And when he doesn't in the way that we want, we get frustrated, we get mad, and sometimes we even leave or break that relationship with him Mm -hmm. because we're too stubborn. So he's not this divine therapist in the sky. Um, we, cause otherwise church is just like life coaching seminars. Mm-hmm. That's all the church becomes, you know, or it's, you know, self-help or something like that. But what church is meant to be, especially mass for us is a commemoration of that gift of God's very self to us. Like we're entering into that one eternal offering that Jesus made on the altar of the cross and on the altar of the churches that we all worship at for our salvation. It's like we're coming together to remember that and give him thanks and and glory and praise for that. And so it's not about this thing that we just go to for what we need and what's going to make us feel good. Um, Because if I, if I just only showed up at my house to be in relationship with my wife when I wanted to feel good and I wanted to get something out of it, I'd be treating her more like a harlot or like a woman of the night. You know, like that's not, that's not what a marriage looks like. You know, I have to sit down. I have to be in a relationship with her. And a lot of that is listening. And that's what we're not good at with God. Mm-hmm. We sit in prayer all the time and we talk and talk and talk and talk. And then when we're not talking, we're like, oh, I can't be quiet. 
uh, and we get distracted because we're not used to silence. We're so used to filling our day with noise, music, podcasts, radio, traffic, work, you know, uh, books, all these things. And a lot of those things are good, but we need time to just take a breath and be silent and listen. Otherwise, we're only dominating the conversation. And if you just had a friendship where all that you did was talk and talk and talk and nag and nag and nag and ask and ask and ask for things and you never let them have a word in edgewise, that relationship would last probably that one get together and then they'd never want to be around you again. Um, And we do that to God constantly. You know, we have to learn how to listen for him in silence. It's funny, my dad the other day, um, in the middle of a mass, in the middle of the priest talking and giving his homily, leans over and goes, I'm so sick of hearing them talk about the best version of yourself. <laughs> and, but it's because what I've been hearing from some priests is that it's priests, it's like being preached as the best version of yourself, but it's very self-centered. Mm. It's not Christ-centered, mm. which, you know, that's a problem. Yeah, it's like a self-help seminar. It, it, exactly. Yeah. And so, yes, we're called to be the best version of ourselves, but that's Christ-centered. Like, yeah, and we're, we're incapable not, of it without him. Yes, and if we're not listening to him, tell us, like, this is who I want you to be, and this is my will. Mm-hmm. And we're constantly saying, Lord, I think I think you want me to be this, mm-hmm. and I think this is the best version of myself, and, um, yeah, so I'm going to do that, and you, you just, like, open the doors for me. Yeah, bless this, yeah. you know? Yeah, exactly. Because if, if Christ isn't part of that conversation, then we're just left to create it ourselves. Mm-hmm. And come up with that idea. Mm-hmm. Okay, what does the best version of myself look like? Okay, what's going to make me happy? Uh, more money? Well, if we haven't recognized that our desires are disordered mm-hmm. when they're not placed in God, then we're going to pursue our desires because we think they're going to make us better. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, And so it's it always has to be centered on that relationship with him. And how we do that is we listen. Mm-hmm. And part of that is the next piece, which is you got to get to know him. Just like to marry someone, you got to get to know them. You got to go on dates. Do you have dates with Jesus? Like, do you have intentional get-togethers? Um, like, women, dates with Jesus. Men, mandated mandates, like, with Jesus. That's what I always call hanging out with my guy friends. We're having a mandated mandate. Like, um, <laughs> or mandatory. Um, so how do you do that? Obviously, prayer time. You know, making sure you're listening as much as you're speaking. Spending time in silence. But also, Scripture. Like we, you know, if you don't know what Lectio Divina is, look it up. We've talked about it before, but a way to pray through scripture, a very small section of scripture, a couple verses or even one verse, and you read through it four times. And each time you have a different attitude or action you're supposed to come to the verse with. First you listen, then you see what stands out and you contemplate it. Then you ask God, why is he allowing this to stand out for you? And then you listen for a response. Mm-hmm. Um, it's being in conversation with God in the words that he spoke and that were written through his Holy Spirit, inspired by his Holy Spirit. And so recognizing like that's a way that we can listen to the voice of God. So if you really struggle with just like stone cold silence, maybe start with scripture and get used to being in a reflective and contemplative posture for little pockets of time. And that will allow you to just get more comfortable with silence more long-term. The more you begin to practice that, um, that muscle or stretch that muscle. Immediately, this is kind of um, dumb, but immediately I thought of the bachelor and the bachelorette when you said dating, um, because I think we approach the Lord like that when mm-hmm. we think of this or we try and do this is, okay, I have to, I have to date God. So I'm going to do, 
you know, and it's going to be accelerated and we like expect our relationship yeah. to be something that it's not going to be yeah. at the end of a certain amount of time. Yeah. You know, and we put this expectation on God that our relationship needs to be like this and it needs to be this strong and we need to be this intimate and da, 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 da. and at the end, when you've hit like your mark, like let's say Lent, like mm-hmm. my relationship needs to look like this at the end of Lent mm-hmm. with Lord, with Lord, <laughs> with the Lord. <laughs> um, and we are like sadly disappointed mm-hmm. when we get to the end because we've put this expectation on God when like we can't put expectations on the Lord like yeah. that. We yeah. can in in other realms, but if we're trying to speed date God, mm-hmm. it's not going to work. Like yeah. we, we have to really put in the time and put in the effort and it's all for the long haul. It's not this like short accelerated yeah. No relationship with God is a shotgun wedding. Mm-mm. You know, it's intentional. It takes time just like any real relationship, you know, um, exactly. So being able to take that time to slowly and, and patiently get yes. to know him, you know, and allow new realities about who you are to come out. You know, I think dating also teaches us a lot about ourselves mm-hmm. because we suddenly are put in a position where we have to explain who we are and what we believe about certain things and what we're passionate about. And it helps us do a self check and say like, yeah, where am I really? What do I want moving forward? Uh, does this person care about that? Does this person want to be part of that? We know God cares. We know he wants to be a part of it. So we have that assurance that we don't need to be nervous about this. Like we might for a first date scenario. Um, to know that like every outcome is going to be good as long as we're pursuing him, but to recognize we're not pursuing him in a distorted way that's going to create obstacles to really having that intimacy and that conversation with him later. Um, another way you can get to know him is through the saints. If you're not sure, like, how do I start this relationship with God? Because in the Catholic tradition, there are so many ways to pray, so many ways to be in relationship with God and reflect upon who he is in your life. Um, But if you have a saint that you are particularly connected to or you start reading about them and you find one who just, I really like this saint. I really like how they, how they prayed. And that really just speaks to me. See if you can incorporate some of what they did into your life. That's who they are. There are big brothers and sisters basically in heaven praying for us. And they're meant to be examples. Canonization like is just a recognition that you're in heaven as an example for us on earth on how to be faithful. And then you're praying for us in very miraculous ways. And so to recognize like you have these examples to look to, you don't have to start from scratch. Um, If you feel like, you know, okay, I understand this, but what I've done before just isn't really working. Um, See if you can find some examples, some spiritual mentors or real life mentors who can help guide you. Mm -hmm. Um, The next thing is sacraments. And I like kind of comparing this to intimacy with God. Um, you know, like this is a weird analogy, but this does speak of the, the theological nature of marriage as it applies to our relationship with God. We just can't bring down the divine side of that to the earthly level. But for marriage, like the way that a married couple enters into intimacy is the wedding bed, you know, like they enter into that intimate union of flesh when they're married and that the church teaches is the, a foretaste of heaven. That that's the closest to heaven that we can get on earth. So that doesn't mean that heaven is going to look like that. But it means that heaven is a more deified and divine version of the unity we experience in that type of relationship. The sacraments are like that. Because we go into every sacrament sacrament on our own, by ourselves, as we are. And we come out transformed. We come out new. And we come out 
filled with grace, which is God's very life in us. We come out intertwined with God in an intimate moment. And so we're not meant to think about that in an earthly sexual way. We're just meant to think about that in a very divine unified way and to recognize like if we want to be in relationship with God, we need to, to encounter him intimately in the sacraments. Um, we can't, our relationship with God cannot exist outside of the church. You cannot be spiritual, but not religious because a, those mean the same thing. People just don't like the word religion because they're, you know, word freaks or whatever. But if you look at the definitions, it's exactly the same thing. And B, Jesus instituted the church as a wellspring and source of his grace to continue to pour into us. Mm -hmm. And so we can't just get that on our own. We need the guidance and we need those moments to really be transformed that he set up and he instituted for us specifically at different moments in our life when we would need them. You know, if we miss baptism, if we don't get baptized, we're missing the beginning of that relationship. You know, we're just talking to then to this person like, you know, all of a sudden off the street that we haven't had this like, oh, hey, how are you? My name's so-and-so. We're just kind of like a crazy person on the street entering mid-conversation like, oh, and then I went fishing and then it was crazy and now I see colors, you know, or just like we're just, there's no direction there. There's no identity in the fact that like, oh, God's my father and I'm in this family relationship with him and he wants me to know him. We're just kind of shooting out there for some type of relationship. There's no foundation. Um, if we miss confirmation, if we're not entering into the sacrament in that way, we miss the purpose of the relationship and where it's pointing us to, like what mission God is sending us on. If we miss the Eucharist, we're missing the wedding. We're missing that intimate relationship where God gives himself completely to us, body and soul. If we miss things like reconciliation, we're missing out the parts of the relationship where we come for uh, communication and forgiveness, where we reconcile with God in the ways that we've messed up. If we have relationships on earth that we don't start them in the right way, we don't understand the purpose of the relationship, we miss the intimate moments, and we don't communicate or ask for forgiveness, those relationships are going to be a mess, you know? And you can look at all the other sacraments too, like anointing of the sick, that remembering we need to rely on God for restoration and in moments of healing. And marriage and holy orders, like if we're missing, if those sacraments aren't part of our life, we're missing who we're called to be in that relationship. Like everything, every sacrament is oriented toward a part of a relationship with God. Um, that relationship, it's not some feel-good therapy session like that we can have by ourselves on our own. We need the grace of the sacraments because they're markers of that relationship. They allow us to begin it, to understand the purpose, to have daily or weekly encounters with God, dates with God. And if we disconnect that from the sacraments, all we're doing is kind of having this like fluid-free kind of relationship that just starts in the middle and no guidance, no really understanding of how God's coming back to us in that way, how he's seeking to reach out and be intimate with us in those moments that transform who we are. Just like when I got married and when Jenna got married, we went in single individual people and we came out ontologically different. We are now one flesh with our spouses. Like that is a reality that happens when you enter into a sacrament. The same thing happens with all the other sacraments, but with Jesus, like mm -hmm. we come out different. And if we don't have those moments, those hallmarking moments, then our relationship is just going to be, you know, this bland thing that we just kind of enter into randomly. Um, they're, they're moments to make us new and to transform us. Well, the th the, to think like God is my therapist, you don't... Okay, if you were to sit down with a therapist, that's so not personal. And like, so like you're... I don't know. 
Well, it's very clinical. It's, it's not it's like clinical. Yeah. yeah, it's not like you're not it, like you said. It's not a friendship. Yeah, it's, just it's not like, like times I, up. Hey, you want to go get coffee, Shereen? Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, there's no like your therapist doesn't love you. Yeah, it's very formal. <laughs> They're just there to help you and get paid. Yeah, you know. And so, and God is not in that way. He does not. He loves you and he wants to be intimate like with you. And through the sacraments, we see that that beauty. And I love how you made those comparisons. Um, and then when we look at how. We're supposed to be dating God, and then the comparisons of the sacrament of how, um, you know, reconciliation and forgiveness and mm-hmm. the Eucharist to be one with Him and all those different um, parallels. It's just really beautiful to see and to um, come at it in a fresh new perspective yeah. in our relationship with God. Yeah, we can't receive that grace any other way. There are different levels of grace, but sacramental grace that comes from those, we can't receive it any other mm-hmm. way. And that God's grace or God's grace is his very life in us. And so if we don't have the sacraments, his life is not in us in that way. And we need to like, there's, there can't be a higher level of intimacy. We're always going to be surface level, shallow relationship. Mm -hmm. If we don't experience that. The last thing that we need to do, if we want a relationship with God is to trust. And this is hard because we have to kind of put our pride aside and recognize like there's a God and I'm not him. And a lot of us know that, But a lot of us aren't really willing to admit it when we get down to the deep desires of our hearts and what we hope is going to happen in our life. Mm -hmm. Um, We have to remember he knows us better than we know ourselves. He loves us better than we love ourselves. And the plans that we have, like God doesn't have this. I think we've talked about this before. He doesn't have this plan for your life where he opens up this book and it says, Matt Zemanek, today at, you know, 8.06 a.m., Matt will wake up. He will snooze his alarm clock three times. He will throw the covers off. He will wear this outfit. He will do these things. You know, that's not, God doesn't predestine those things because then we wouldn't have free will. God's plan for your life as you're listening to this, you individually, here's his plan for your life. Are you ready? Big secret for you to be close to him and in relationship with him, for you to be holy, for you to be a saint. That's his plan for your life. And so every choice that you make, he can use the good choices that make you holier to, to be part of that mission. And choices that we don't make that are great, he will allow those to happen and maybe even use those later on to bring you back to that main mission and plan. Um, we complicate this all the time by over-discerning things because we, we see our plans and our ideas of what we want in life not happening or not being reassured by God. And so we spend too much time saying, God, what's your plan? What's your plan for me? What's your plan? And God's like, hey, just come here. Mm -hmm. Like, that's my plan for you. Just come here. What choice is going to make you holier and make you better in terms of your relationship with me? Make you more set apart for the things that I have prepared you for. The gifts and talents that I've given you are pointing you to a mission to not only serve others, but to glorify God. What is that? All the other details and stuff are daily choices that we make either for that or against that. And so... Don't feel like you have to over discern or don't feel like you need to come with to God with this like prepackaged idea of what your life is going to look like mm-hmm. um, because you have a lot of freedom in that plan. Mm-hmm. You do. But that plan that God has for you is still important. It's still the most important thing to be close to him, to be in union with him, to be holy. Um, and we have to trust that he knows best in that way. Like we... We trust a lot of people that we don't even know. I don't know if you realize this. Like, we trust everyone on the freeway that they're not going to crash into us. Like, we yeah. trust doctors that they're not going to completely mutilate us. And, you know, we trust dentists that they um, aren't going to pinch, poke some nerve or rip a tooth out every time we go. Like, any person could that, that day just choose not to do their job mm-hmm. or not to do the right thing. Like, we trust tons of people on a daily basis. 
and we trust all the people in charge of the red buttons that could nuke the world to not do that every day. <laughs> and yet, when it comes to God, who assures us that he loves us more than anything, we can't trust him. Maybe because we can't see him, and maybe that's because our relationship with him is strained or we don't have a good idea of what that looks like. But like, it's God should be the easiest person for us to trust. The problem with that, and we talked about this on an episode, is the cycle of relationship goes passion, disillusionment, and then joy. When we first get to know God, it's a very passionate thing. We want to learn about him. We really want to be in relationship with him. And then the second it gets hard, disillusionment sets in, and that can very easily just sway us away and can cause us to say, like, why is this happening? This is what I want. This is who I want to be with you. Why won't you make this happen? Tell me what you want. And God is trying to help us move into a deeper version of this relationship where we learn how to work through the difficulty and the desolation, which will then come out in joy. But so many people, so many marriages, as we talked about in this episode we did on this particular cycle, end in divorce because they're stuck in this disillusionment phase and they're not willing to put in the effort to change things up, to really be honest, and to really communicate to get back to that place of joy and then cycle back into passion again disillusionment is always going to be part of that cycle, especially with God, you know, because we can't see him here in the flesh as a living, walking human anymore. He did that 2000 years ago, but, um, we still can be in intimate relationship with him. And so I think like, that's something that we have to remember. We can trust him. We can trust him just because we can't see him in the flesh here. Yes, we can in the Eucharist, but not as human, a physical human being. It doesn't mean that he's hard to trust because we trust thousands of people every day for no good reason. And yet they do what they're supposed to do for the most part. Why can't we do that with God who is all knowing, all powerful, all loving, all present? That's the hardest one. Just like at the end, it is the hardest one end of the day. And I think when you start discovering and diving into your relationship with God, you'll see how much distrust you have. <laughs> like, yeah. truly. Um, even in the tiniest of things, we have so much distrust. And I think Satan is just so good at bringing distrust into our lives and into our relationship with the Lord and just whispering those lies like, no, he actually doesn't have the best intention for you or the best desires. Yeah. You actually, you, you do. You can do it yourself. You can yeah. do this on your own. You don't need him. You don't need to trust him, especially, um, because when it's, you know, when it starts with distress, especially in any relationship, if we don't just, if we don't trust somebody, then that relationship is gone and shattered. Yeah. It's really difficult to move forward. Mm -hmm. And you know, spiritual warfare and the devil, they don't suddenly just like throw evil things at you. What they do is they're very astute and they wait for moments where they can see that you're experiencing disillusionment or negativity or a difficult moment. And they will whisper in your ear in such a way that will amplify and worsen mm. what's going on. That's why it's always so hard to combat because the seed of it comes from us. Mm. It's not like the devil just like threw this thing. Sometimes that can happen, but most often they're just playing into what we've already started. Well, yeah. And that's when, if they are just throwing random stuff at you, it's mm -hmm. easier to be like, oh, what? No, yeah. no. Yeah. What is this crazy thing? Yeah. You know? Uh, unless we've just been so like debilitated by our own negativity perpetually or by spiritual warfare over time that we're then become susceptible to that type of thing. Yeah. So if you want a relationship with God, you got to recognize you need one. You have to uh, pray. You got to invite him. You got to listen. You got to get to know him. 
You got to have intimacy with him in the sacraments and you have to trust him. Just like any other relationship, those things could all describe how to build a relationship with a friend, a marriage. Start looking at your relationship with God like that, but in an elevated and more perfect way because he is perfect and he wants perfect things for you. Mm-hmm. So, Jenna, who is a saint that we can look at as a model for this and ask for their intercession? Oh, a saint that aren't, um, we chose today is St. John. Um, the Apostle? The Apostle. The, the, the apostle. <laughs> or also called the Beloved. Um, and he was the only disciple. So when we look at when we look at the New Testament and we look at St. John, um, he was the disciple that followed Christ and, and did, um, was with him at every moment, basically. Mm-hmm. And so he was there for all the miracles. He was there for the Transfiguration. He was there at the Last Supper. He was there at... Um, the passion, and mm-hmm. he did not leave Christ's side, mm-hmm. and he, so he was there throughout all of Christ's ministry, except for like that first year, I think. Of he was called in. Right? Well, in some gospels, he he's there? called right after Peter and Andrew. James and John are called right after. Cool. So it so depends he was there on for the, the yeah, yeah, depends on the um, timeline. So he was called the beloved, um, and at the passion, at at the cross when Christ was dying. Um, it was at that moment that Christ confided in John and said, behold your mother, woman, behold your son. And so he gave um, John the care of his mother and of the church. And so um, John is like, he's the patron saint of love, of friendship. Um, what were the other ones that he's patron saint of? Loyalty and of authors also because he's the author of said to be the yeah. author of... Um, John, the Gospel of John, and and some of the epistles. Yes, yeah, Revelation and First, Second, and Third John. Yeah. So him or his disciples. Um, yeah. yeah. So he's just it, he's that person that just stuck around. Like, mm-hmm. we, and we all want to be that person that that sticks around. Mm-hmm. And Saint John was that person that stuck around through all of it. The yep. easy stuff. The, like, crazy good stuff of witnessing all the miracles, but also the really, really hard stuff. And so he did not run and he did not flee. And that is the kind of relationship that we want to be in with our Lord. And that trust of um, just knowing that he will show up again. And I think that's what John had, was that he knew that Christ wasn't going to leave him. And so he stuck with him in the passion and in the crucifixion. And I'm sure that there was some, like, confusion and being super distraught, but he also ran to the tomb and yeah. in like expected Christ to be risen and to be present yeah. for him. And so, um, yeah, St. John, pray for us because yes. he was loyal and trusting and um, just that relationship, forever relationship that he had with Christ. Yeah. And he gives us, I think, a, a good analogy too, besides like the marriage relationship with God is this relationship of father and child. Yes. Because like you have that image of, of John resting his head on the chest of Jesus mm-hmm. at the Last Supper um, that I think is really tender and beautiful. And John was the youngest of all the apostles. In fact, a lot of times people will look at religious art of Jesus from the Renaissance and say, oh, there's Mary Magdalene and all these like confusion things because there's a girl in the picture. That's actually John. John is so young <laughs> that it was common at the time of the Renaissance to depict youthfulness as feminine. And so he always looks like a woman in a lot of these early um, no Renaissance and, and uh, paintings of 
tip of moments in Jesus's life. But, um, yeah, he was probably, you know, as young as like 12 or 13 when, um, Jesus called him. And so that idea of, if this idea of like marriage and dating is a difficult analogy for you, um, I know for me having just had a child, but also just thinking about like, we've seen children and how parents interact with children and how children can be overwhelming or frustrating, but also very beautiful and joyful to see how we look at our children or children in general as how God looks at us just in a more perfect form. You know, when I see, you know, um, my daughter Hannah freaking out and squirming and like in my arms and just wants to get out. I imagine myself like doing that sometimes with God, like, God, why can't you make things different and just freaking out on him? And he's just holding me there and just Mm -hmm. waiting for me to realize like, Hey, I've got you. You know, when, Hannah, you know, makes a mess of herself or like has a dirty diaper, you know, like I still as her parent, I'm not like, oh, look at you, you terrible kid. Why'd you do this? You know, like I'm like, did you go to the bathroom? Did you do that? And I think it's like still adorable. God, I think does the same thing to me. Like, did you sin? Did you just really sin? You're adorable. You know, like, come on, like, you know, you know, I'm here for you, you know? And, and I think like that tenderness is something that we miss in our relationship with God. We, we analyze it to death that it becomes so formal um, that it's difficult to be fruitful. And I think for men, especially that image of John <clears throat> resting on Christ's chest, mm-hmm. um, might be kind of hard because yeah. that's a weird thing for us in our time right now yeah. to think of. Um, so yeah, we just, we need to know that like, even if you're a guy, like yeah. you're called to be intimate with God and yeah. be intimate with Christ in that way. And it's not weird. Yeah. Even though it's born to us, it's not weird. Yeah. There's this innate fatherhood that rests in every man, even if they don't want to have kids. Just imagining that you had a daughter, how you would want to be with her, how you would want her treated by others, that tenderness that can come out of men when they start thinking about that. If you start thinking about those things you feel as how God feels about you, even if you're not in that situation, I think it can bring that analogy to life a little bit more because men do have that within them. Even teenage boys, like I talk to them about analogies about their future daughters and you see it kind of enlighten them a little bit about how they're supposed to treat each other. So um, those images, marriage and parenthood, um, really intimate, the most important relationships we ever have in our lives mm-hmm. um, and best friends, you know, which is the same, you know, same kind of beginning of an intimate relationship just ends in a different place, you know, um, or beginning of a close relationship, I should say. Um, those kind of models of relationship are all models that we should approach prayer and relationship with God with, not this formal kind of distant, idol or God worship from far away. You know, he does deserve our praise, but it's meant to be intimate and personal. So, uh, St. John, pray for us. St. Charles Borromeo, pray for us. Um, Thank you for listening. Please share this episode with people that you think will benefit from it. Follow us on social media, at Man of Food for Thought, all spelled out on Instagram. uh, And you can see everything that's coming out there. We also have weekly psalm reflections, um, reflecting on the psalm for the upcoming Sunday um, to help you on your weekly spiritual walk. If you want to support our podcast financially, it does cost money for us to do this. So please um, visit our website, manafoodforthought.com, all spelled out. And on the landing page, you can either go to our website or go to Patreon. And Patreon, you can become a financial donor for as little as a dollar a month and access to special content, future merchandise, um, and uh, shout outs on air and our (laughs) deep love, admiration, and appreciation. So thank you to all of our Patreon sponsors who are listening, financial donors. We love you. We really appreciate you. We've got some great stuff coming your way and planned for the future. Um, So continue to pray for us. Know that we are praying for you. And until next time, we will see you in the Eucharist. Bye. Bye.